Bibles this morning, turn to John chapter 20. It's going to do a quick little journey on John chapter 20. I just want to encourage you. We love the presence of the Lord here so much. We honor the presence of the Lord so much that I get the mark at quarter past 10. That's not because we like to stretch our services out. That's because we love the presence of the Lord. And I have the privilege of having the mark at whatever time God decides. But I just want to drop something in your heart. I hope I can do it in a quick uh, way this morning. Just to enlarge us, to grab hold of us, and just to encourage us. Um, In John chapter uh, 20, I just want to give you quickly a background to this whole text. The setting is there's a lot of chaos there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of confusion going on uh, at this particular point in time. Um, they, uh, they thought Jesus, he was the Savior, he was the, the, the king. They had pledged their allegiance, their lives. They, they were for him. They were never going to leave him. He's the best thing and yeah, we're for you, Lord, and all great and wonderful. And then uh, they come and they take him away and he's crucified and he's killed and they're shattered. And when all of this happens, they run. So there's fear. They're hiding away. They, 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 they're hiding in a, in a room somewhere. They're scared. They're scared that what happened to Jesus is going to happen to them. And, uh, and there's confusion and there's fear and there's chaos going on. And I want to encourage every single one of you in the church today that there is chaos and there is fear and there's confusion going on right now in the world. And right now, as the people of God, we cannot afford to go and hide in our rooms. Because it's not a time to hide. It's a time to arise and shine. Because our light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. And darkness is covering the earth. Deep darkness is covering the earth. You just have to read, listen, watch and see. But God says, my glory will rise upon you and my glory will be seen upon you. That's Isaiah 60, first couple of verses. So here we have, and can I say this, let me say this to this, just to, to just fulfill this picture. There are doors God is opening right now. There are things God is doing right now in the spiritual realm. And in the chaos and in the fear and the confusion, sometimes we are not even seeing the doors. Because to see the doors, friends, you can't hide. You have to go. You have to come out. I hope I'm speaking pictures, but I hope I'm. I'm, I'm I hope you're hearing. I just just listen with your spirit, maybe this morning. So here's the background. They they they're, they're fearful. There's a bit of chaos going on. They're hiding. I mean, they're so afraid. If I can say it like this, they're so afraid. Did you know that one of the disciples actually ran out of their clothes? You know when you get such a fright, just jump out of your skin? Well, this guy didn't jump out of his skin. He jumped right out of his clothes. You can go read it. John chapter four, um, Mark chapter 14, verse 50 to 52. I think the guy was so excited and he was following Jesus, he had calmed out of bed because he only had a bit of a... Uh, sort of half a garment on him. Anyway, he was in his feeder or his or his uh, or his baggies or whatever he was, and he was going along. And then they tried to grab him, whatever. And he was so afraid, it was he just like he, he ran out of his clothes. He ran away naked. That's quite scared, don't you think? 
So here's these guys that are all scared and stuff is going on and there's just turmoil going on and, and there's a whole lot of, this is the setting that we'll, we'll get to, to John chapter 20 and I, I, I want us to just picture what's going on because this isn't Disney. This is real life. This is, this is not some made up story. This is, this is real life. This is what happened. These disciples, were, just picture it that these disciples, just like an hour earlier, they were sitting with Jesus around a table they were, and there was, a, there was the last supper going on and and, uh, and he was saying some things to them, and they were sitting there going, no. You know, I know he's always right. I know he's really a good guy and all of that, but he's not right this time. I mean, come on, guys. We are, we'll die for you, Jesus. We, we, we're in, man. We, of course, I lay my life down for you. You're the best, whatever. You know, this is where low fives came from because they couldn't do high fives in front of the, above the table because Jesus could see them, so they were doing low fives. Fist bumps. It came, like, that's how it first happened. It happened under the table. Around there, they were going, oh, come on, we're the guys. This is going to be it. Can you imagine Jesus? Just picture, if, imagine if Jesus was like us. Imagine. Imagine Jesus is like us, standing at the table. He's got the bread. He's about to declare and give one of the greatest speeches, better than Winston Churchill. Anyway, he's about to share something incredible. He's got the bread and he's got the cup. He's about to, 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 to share it now, whatever, and he's standing there. I can't do this. Why can't you do it, Lord? You guys. Because you see, remember, Jesus could hear their thoughts. Jesus knew that they were going to run when trouble came. Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. And you guys, I spent all this time and I can't even trust you to stay with me. Can you imagine? You bunch of everything. I am hurting right now. This is really sore. In fact, I'm not even sure that I even heard God for you as disciples. I think I picked the wrong guy. Imagine him going and sitting at the table, sitting there, and John comes up with his head on his chest. Get away from me, John. I Don't you understand? Can't you see I'm hurting? Can't you see that right now I'm under a lot of stress? You don't know they're going to come, they're going to get me, and they're going to take me away, and they're going to kill me, and I'm going to die, and you don't care, you're just going to run? You don't love me. You love yourself. Why does that sound crazy in the mouth of Jesus? Because he's Jesus. Because he's the word. Or because he's love. Because we were called... And made in his image. We were called to be loved. If he loved us, ought we not to love one another? Aren't you grateful that that was not in his mouth, friends? It ought not to be in our mouths.
That's 1 John 4.11. It is a scripture. We were made for his image. We were not made to come to church and pray some prayers. We were made for his image. We have been conformed into the image of God. I have been transformed. And it is my incredible privilege to shine, arise and shine. For those that maybe weren't here last week, I would encourage you to, to get last week's because I'm actually launching from last week and I haven't got the time this morning to, to unpack last week. But let me give you a couple of scriptures. As the Father sent me, so I send you. John 17, 18 and John 20, uh, 21 and 22. As he is, so are we on this earth. 1 John 4, 17. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. John 14, 12. You are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Romans 8, 29. He is the firstborn among many brothers. Romans 8, 29 as well. We have exceedingly great promises by which we partake of his divine nature. Escaping the corruption in the world through self-seeking. That's 2 Peter 1 verses 4. So promises are there. So you and I have ample grace to partake of who he is on the inside. So that we can be separate from living for ourselves. And escape the snare that is in the world. Jesus makes a simple statement, and we have said this quite a few times in the church, in, the, in this church, but I want to just reemphasize it again. If any man, any man, anyone, that's everybody making a call to everybody, if anyone would come after me, that means follow me, let him deny himself. Amen. This is what we're about. This is our calling. This is our mandate. This is what we as a church have been grabbing hold of. And, and, and trusting the Lord as we journey. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself. Friends, there's nowhere where in the Bible it says, let him first just quickly say a prayer, unless on his way home from church he might hit a tree and die. If you can't find it in the Bible, then I'd love to see where it is. Friends, the Bible simply says, let him deny himself. Why? Because we were not made for ourselves. We were made for Him. We were made in His image. If we are born again, friends, if we have given our lives to Jesus in simple terms in the gospel, then we are not made for ourselves. We have denied ourselves. And that's the challenge. Even one of the hardest things, this is a mandate and a message that God put on my heart about a year and a half, two years ago, and it's a hard message to carry. Because it's a hard message to preach because we're not always comfortable with this kind of thing. And it's not always something that's celebrated in the church. That we actually denied ourselves. We're not about ourselves. Friends, it's one of my hardest things as a pastor when I've got to sit with a couple or with people. Where they come and they sit with me and they'll say to me, Well, we just feel in our hearts that we don't really have a good children's ministry in this church. And I can't, my children can't really get ministered to how they need to. So I've got to find another church where my children can go get ministered to. Friends, we died to ourselves. And we now live for Him. And His purpose and plan. I'm not living for my kids' plans. I'm not living for my own plans. I'm not living for somebody else's plans, friends. I'm living for Him. I have died and I have now become a new creature in Christ, which is a, 
I've been predestined to be conformed to His image. And my desire and my purpose is simply to display who He is and to shine who He is. And that's all. And then you can talk about calling and destiny, what God's called you to, friends. Collapse all of that into the simplicity of that. Just you've got to shine Jesus. My calling and my destiny and my plan is simply to know Him and to make Him known. And in all of that, friends, I've been given a sphere of influence and God will do what He needs to do, friends. We've got to understand the kingdom of God is not here and it's not there. Friends, the kingdom of God is within you and I. And as we surrender, we bow to Him and we walk and we journey His will, friends. That's why He says, seek first the kingdom. The rest would add it to you. I want to promise you right now, you can do and jump all the hoops and do whatever you want to try and get the promises, friends, in the days that we're living in and what God has spoken of every single one of our lives. is He said, seek first the kingdom, which is His will, His plan, His purpose. Just shine the kingdom, shine who I am, shine Jesus, the rest will be added. Friends, if, you, if those the righteous that they seek after Him, friends, will never be seen begging for bread. If you want to see the promises of God fulfilled over your, your destiny, your purpose, your plan, your business, your family, friends, then I tell you right now, it's found in the simple answer, and that's simply just yielding your life and surrendering your life to Jesus, going after Him, and to be conformed to His likeness and His image and everything that we do. If you want to come after Him, deny yourself, friends, pick up your cross and follow Him, friends. Your cross simply is, friends, there is His will and there is your will, friends. And they come together and they clash, friends, and you have to surrender to His will and do His purpose and His plan, friends. And His purpose and His plan is as we pick up our cross every single day, friends, is that stuff will come my way, fences will come my way, sin will come my way, friends. But don't let sin that comes your way, that attacks you on the outside, let it become sin on the inside. As sin comes and it attacks you, friends, don't let it become sin on the inside and don't let it work through and become sin through you. What do you mean, God? I mean, somebody's aching and got a problem, friends, and they attack you, friends. Don't let that become sin in your own life. Don't pick up an offense. Be like Jesus. He says, follow me. Friends, he wouldn't say that if we couldn't. He's saying, follow me, friends. Pick up your cross every single day, friends. When a harsh word comes, give a, a, change it into a loving word. Meet evil, friends, with good. Love covers a multitude of sins. Picking up your cross every single day, friends. Choosing. I choose you, Lord, to shine you every single day of my life. As I choose that and I seek first the kingdom, the rest will get added. I don't have to go after the promises of God and do a whole bunch of stuff to make them happen. I've just got to shine Jesus. I've got to live Jesus. I came into a body, I came into a family to shine and to display the goodness of God. That's what I came for, friends. Oh, well, I want my destiny because I want my plan and purpose because God's called me to do this and to do that. Friends, He's called you to shine and shine Him. It's your cross because your will and His will, friends. Breathe, I'm breathing. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In the world that we're living in, in the chaos and the confusion and the fear, there's so much fear and insecurity going on at the moment. And it shouldn't even be in the church. It should just be mercy. And I don't care if you can lift people up and you can swing them around and you can throw them here, there, and every, I don't care if you raise the dead. I don't care. 
what mighty sign and wonder you can do if you don't have mercy. Then it is a wonder what power. Don't just come to me and try to get to heaven. Come to me, let me put heaven back in you. That's the gospel. Friends, there's too many people in the church that they're battling to even get up every single morning. And the reason why they battle to get up, friends, is because they're getting beaten by circumstances and situations and they don't really want to get up and face them again. Some people call that depression. I call it wrong thinking. And I'm not knocking clinical situations. I understand there are medicinal situations. I'm talking about when we get up in the morning. Bing! You gave me another day to shine. To be more like you. Whoa! Not, oh, give me coffee. I can't think until I've had my coffee. Okay, what have I got to do today? Oh, God, I've got to go back into work again. Oh, you know, I don't even like that job. He shouted at me yesterday. I know he's going to come and look on my desk and say, have you done that work yet? And going, I get a chance to go and shine Jesus to that guy or that lady or whatever. Just a different perspective. Well, you know, already I'm needing my promotion, so I'm needing to, I really need... Just picture this. Take 30 seconds and just think. A man got up every single day and he went out in pure love and he shared 100% truth and 100% love. And the people listened to him and all they were waiting for is how to catch him out, how to nail him and where to find fault. And they want to kill him and stone him. And every day he got up and he smiled and he went out there with such joy. Friends, I want to follow that man. His name is Jesus. He woke up every single day with a joy and a delight. Why? Because people were being kind to him, because circumstances were suiting him, because things were fine. Friends, we've got to read our Bibles. Every single day he was challenged. Every single day he was faced with such a venom from religious leaders. But he smiled. Even to the point of death, where he could smile and say, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. Follow me. That's what Jesus says. Say yes. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. John chapter 20. We are getting there, I promise. The good thing is the Bible doesn't change. So then I'm taking quite a while to get to John chapter 20, but it doesn't change. <laughs> still the truth. It's still there. <laughs> so John chapter 20. Let's just read this. I, I want to read this because I want to just show you something. I love it. It just always excites me. This is... So now, it's the first day. 
um, of the week. You know, the first day of the week in a Jewish calendar is a Sunday. You know that he died on the Friday, and then the service was about to start at 6 o'clock. They had to quickly put him into the um, cave, and uh, which was Joseph Arimathea and um, Nicodemus came also with some. Nicodemus, the guy who came in the night, talked to him. Also got some some ointment to put on him, Jesus, and what have you. They had to do it quickly before the Sabbath started, because you don't do anything on the Sabbath. So the Sabbath through Saturday, and now Sunday, first day of the week, is the first time they can actually get there as Jews. It's been very, very fast. Everyone get that quickly. Okay. Okay. So now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb early while it was still dark. Don't you just love this? I love that all the disciples, honestly, this is a great triumphant scripture for, for ladies. The rest of the oaks are all hiding. They're in the room there and they're scared. And, I, and again, just hear me out here. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not judging them. I want you to know that I'm not judging because in the church today, a large part of the New Testament church, New Covenant church, modern church today is also afraid of death. We shouldn't be, but they, we are, right? And we mustn't be. We should never be. Jesus, uh, Matthew chapter 10, uh, I think it's verse 38, he says, don't be afraid of that that can kill the body. Just be more afraid of etern eternity that can be affected. Don't worry about your body, because once you've got born again, then it doesn't matter about your body. You can't die. Amen? Uh, I haven't got time. It's Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15, it talks about just like man was in flesh and blood. So Jesus also had to become flesh and blood. Why? Because he had to do what we did, because through death, he had to destroy the one who held the power of death, the devil. Amen? And who the fear of death held captive the people in lifelong slavery. It's Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Lifelong slavery, friends. Fear of death gives you lifelong slavery. But God came and redeemed it and said, don't worry about that, anybody who can kill the body. Once you're born again, once you've been born again and now you've got my life inside of you, you can't die. You've got to kill that fear. It's not, just kill that sucker. I killed him. Now you just remove him out of your life. You don't, you don't have to worry. Because now we can live, friends, knowing that it's just blink and I'm with him anyway. So there's no, there should be no fear. But I, I do understand, friends, there was a, it was a chaos moment. There was a lot of stuff happening. And, and again, can I just emphasize here, the reason why most Christians still have fear of death is because they're still uncertain what the answer is going to be when they close their eyes and open them again. And they're not sure when they open their eyes they're going to see Jesus or they're going to see somebody with big horns, whatever, going, Yee! and throw them in the fire. As Christians, honestly, come on, we've got to be honest with ourselves. Is our conscience clear? Because that's Hebrews 9. With the old bulls and goats doing it, it said you could never clear the conscience. But when Jesus came and paid that sacrifice, it says he purified our conscience. Friends, you've got to have that understanding and that surety, whatever. I blink my eye and I wake up, my man, I am excited. I'm going to stand and look to Jesus and go, woohoo! Not, oh boy, is it my turn now? Is there going to be a big screen behind me? He's going to show all my sins and what I've done. And oh, I'm going to sit there, oh, please don't kill me. Hello. No, no, the gospel then. No, no, Jesus took care of all of that. Far as east is from the west. Friends, when a screen comes up behind you and I, you're going to see some amazing stuff. I'm going to sit there and say, come on, bring on my movie. Not, oh, oh, gee, that's what happened. No, because Jesus took care of it. Friends, that's what you understand. He's cleared your conscience. Oh, am I, am I going to be able to get you? Oh, I hope so. Can we move? Uh, Rabbi Shandi. So, so now they're all hiding, and this is such a wonderful thing. They're all hiding. They're in there. They're scared, whatever, and not Mary. 
Why, friends? I'll tell you why Mary wasn't scared. Mary wasn't scared because her life was transformed. Life had been changed, friends. I'm telling you, Christians, that life had been transformed and changed, friends. I'm not scared. Because they'd given up nothing. It wasn't their life in the first place. See, Christians that are scared, they feel like they've given up something. I'm scared that some Christian might come and ask for my money. Yes, I am asking for your finances. Oh, so be scared. No. The reality is, friends, it wasn't mine. I died to all of that. I mean, it's, I, she's not afraid. She's, she's been transformed. She was, her other life is gone now. She just, she's, I, I'm getting out there. I'm going to find where Jesus is. I want to be near him. And they all sitting there. And she goes there, and I love, oh, let me read it. And she goes there, and uh, while it was still dark, she, she gets up earlier. She's like, she's up and she's out there, boy. And she's, before the traffic of Johannesburg happens, she's on the road and she is going for it. And she says, I saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. I love this. You've got to read John understanding. <laughs> all these guys, all these disciples, they're wonderful, whatever. But there's one that really Jesus ooh, he loved. And it's me. And I'm writing this thing, so I'm allowed to write it. And he says, and he said to them, and she said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now you've got to understand something here. This is a classic, and this was written in the Bible, and Jesus does not remove it. So it was left in here. He's just making sure that you and I understand, friends. There was no, hey, listen, I'll give you a 10-step start. We were running together. Let me just explain to you. We were running together. We were all in the same. We were like on this line here together, and I outran him. And just in case you didn't realize that, he says, I'll, just, I'll do it again. So he says, um, he says, and uh, so, and they were going to, and they were running together, and outran him. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Peter, Simon Peter, came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which was, uh, which had been on Jesus' head, uh, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. It's a beautiful picture that, in simple terms, instead of doing Hollywood and Disney, just in simple terms, yeah, he didn't go metamorphose through the the cloth and it just fell down the beautiful shape of Jesus' body, right? He just came, he, he, he came out of the cloths and the face cloth was folded up. It means nobody stole the body. You don't steal the body let me, and let me just now put it all, right? This is supernatural. They're trying to just explain you this is a supernatural event. Uh, they were all folded up. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. You've already told us you reached first. But I'll just throw that in again. The one who reached first, just in case you and I never got it, he reached it first. Friends, this is left in the Bible. Isn't it an encouragement to you and I? I think this guy had just a slight little arrogance about speed. He just wanted to emphasize and say, listen, we started together. There was no, he gave me a start and I, I, and I jumped out first out the blocks. We were together. We were running together, but I beat him. And in case you didn't, I carry on with the story and just say, and then the guy that was, the guy, you know, the guy that beat him. I just love that. Just, it encourages me. I go, I, I thank God that he loves us just like we are. With all our faults and all our mess-ups. Don't you love that? So just helping you there. And then and he says, uh, where am I? Uh, lying with the linen cloths. And the, the, then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. 
And I just want you to get this picture very quickly because I'm moving maybe too fast. But just catch the little things here and go and study it and get the revelation here. They come to the tomb. They look inside. They find out Jesus is not there and they go back to their homes. Then the next verse. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Friends, you might have looked at your dream. You might have looked at your situation. You might have looked at your circumstances. And it looks like it's not time to go back home. It's time to stand there and cry out. Say, God, can these dry bones live? You know. Prophesy to these bones, son. So she stood there. Am I skipping? She stood there weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. For she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus lay, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know it was Jesus. Now, I don't know why, friends. I don't know why she didn't recognize him, but she didn't recognize him. She just saw a man standing there. It was Jesus. And, um, and then Jesus says to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Don't you love the personalness of God? She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabona, means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. I want you to catch a little picture here. Let me see if I can unpack it fast. She's weeping there. She's crying out, Jesus, where have they taken my Jesus? I just want to be by my Jesus. I just, and I just want, I want to take his body. And thinks he's a gardener. Says, well, if somebody's taken it, come take me. And then Jesus calls out to her. And then she suddenly realizes, and she's amazed. And I want you to catch this picture. Her whole life was changed. She met life itself. She met Jesus. She met love. Love transformed her life. Love changed her life. And then she journeyed, friends, and she saw love and life crucified on a cross, friends. The last time she saw Jesus, he was marred beyond recognition. I don't know if we've got time to go to it in, in Isaiah 52, 14. If you can read it, in Isaiah 52, 14, you'll see there that the Bible says he was marred beyond, it wasn't even in human form. It's, you couldn't even pick, pick out human form. He was marred beyond anything else a man had ever, whatever man had tried to do to anybody, friends, it was worse. Jesus was, it was worse. He wasn't even in human form. In fact, friends, if you hadn't journeyed with Jesus and you hadn't known Jesus and walked with him and you just come along and saw him on the cross, you would have not recognized him. He was marred beyond completely. He was just, you couldn't even recognize him, friends. That's the last time that she saw him. She saw him marred beyond recognition and dying on a cross. And now he's standing there going, Mary. Can you imagine what happened in her heart? Can you imagine me? 
See, it's not a Disney story. There's reality here. He says, don't cling to me. She wasn't standing there going, oh, Rabbana, whatever. And he went, oh, don't cling to me. Fancy was going at him hard. <laughs> I'm after you, baby. This is my Jesus. I'm going to dive on you. And he's going, whoa. <laughs> so hold that thought. And I just want to capture this one quickly. Is that he was marred beyond description. Friends, he redeemed us. He restored us. Why was he marred beyond description? Ask yourself a simple question. Why didn't he just take 39 slaps? Why didn't he just stick a crown of thorns on his head? And why didn't they just kill him? Why do you have to get marred beyond description? Because you have to go back into the garden. You have to realize that Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. And when sin came in, friends, and when sin was finished with them, friends, they did not even look anything like their identity. They had completely changed who they were. They had lost their identity. And Jesus comes back as a man representative. And he is marred beyond description so that we can have our identity restored. And you've got to understand that, friends. You don't take the gospel lightly or Jesus, what he did lightly when you understand that. He wasn't just beaten, friends. He was the venom, the viciousness, friends, that was poured out on his life. That just, do you know that when they used to light people uh, at the stake, used to tie them at the stake and they used to build massive fires around them and used to light them and their bodies used to burn? Do you know that after the body was burned, you couldn't even recognize it was male or female? And Jesus was marred worse than that. So the Bible says. Because, friends, we have no idea what happened in that garden. We have no idea how beautiful and wonderful Adam and Eve were created in his image. And they were perfect and everything was so wonderful. And then sin came in, friends, and what sin did and whacked up them, friends, that their identity was completely lost. What they didn't look anything, not one little, little small iota to what their true identity was. Friends, that's why when we get born again, friends, it's when we understand the gospel, so we can just grab hold of this. This is who we are now, not little bits and pieces and parts and trying to incorporate God into my life. It's just not the gospel. See, He's coming to bring it all together. He's coming to pay a price to restore man back to his rightful identity. Jesus was separated so you and I could be joined. He died so that we could live. He was marred beyond description so we could get our identity back. And we know Mary is getting all excited and she's running towards Jesus and now she wants to dive on him, whatever, and he says, don't dive on me. And uh, we kind of can look at that and go, gee, was Jesus being harsh there or just hell? I mean, come on, he's love. Couldn't he just give her a little cuddle? He explains why he couldn't give her a cuddle. He says, Mary, I have not ascended yet. He had not ascended to the Father, friends. What had actually hadn't happened yet? What hadn't happened, friends, is that the blood of bulls and goats had been applied to the mercy seat in the tabernacle on the tent of the earth, friends. It's Hebrews chapter 9. You can read it all through there without going through it all this morning. In Hebrews chapter 9, now, friends, he had to take not the blood of bulls and goats, he had to take his own blood, and he had to go up to heaven, to the heavenly temple, friends, and he had to go to the heavenly mercy seat, and he had to sprinkle his blood on the heavenly mercy seat, friends, and make reconciliation between God and man. He had to become our high priest. He had to become our mediator, friends, and he had, he hadn't, it hadn't happened yet. 
He still had to go and he still had to, to, to do that. Are, you, are, we, are, we, are, we, are we with me? Can I? Okay. And then um, he says, I have not ascended to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And he said these things to her. Wow. I have not ascended to my father and your father. Isn't that amazing? Do you know that word father there? If you go study it, it means come forth from. I have not ascended to the one, to my father that I came forth from and to your father that you came forth from. What's he doing? He's making sure they understand that they're one. My God. You know that word God there? It means source of life. My source of life, your source of life. I've not ascended to go come forth from my source of life and to come forth from your source of life. We both come from the same source of life. We both have come forth from the same Father. We are one. Do not cling to me, for I have not ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers. Imagine if the Bible said this. Mary, go tell my low-life, backstabbing, two-faced, hypocritical, fake disciples that I have major concerns about them and I feel that they need deliverance and they need to go back on a discipleship course. He says, go tell my brothers. Woo! That is so cool. And they've done nothing right. They've done nothing right. They're completely idiots. And we can all identify with that. And he says, just go tell my brothers. I'm going to my father, their father. My God, their God. The one that we all came forth from. The one that we got our life from. I haven't changed my mind. I haven't moved. I'm not disappointed. I'm not angry. And you are not disqualified. Come on, if we can catch this church. Man. Ah, Then let's just carry on reading very quickly. On the evening of that same day, I love this, the same day. It's a, it's, he's got a busy program, Jesus. He's, he's like, he's busy. But it's like the same day now, it's in the evening. And, uh, and then in the evening, he's, um, he, the disciples are also hiding in the room. Okay. And it says there, um, on the evening, on that same day, on the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. So he even can get through locked doors. Don't worry. You might think you locked him out, but he's coming. There's no lock going to keep him out. I love that. He loves us. Ooh, he does. He loves us. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Wow. 
Why is the first thing Jesus does is when he walks into the room, he says, peace be with you. You find it in Romans 5, verses 1. Romans 5, verses 1, I'll give you the paraphrase very quickly. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. See, his blood made peace between God and man. They were afraid and they were hiding. And Jesus could say peace because the blood was on the mercy seat. And God had been reconciled, the Father, back to us. His blood is speaking better things. Man is no longer guilty of sin when he believes. Isn't that wonderful? And then if you carry on reading there, he then shows them his hands and his feet. He's, he's saying, look here, you can see see the marks. And the Bible says that they, they um, now understood it was really Jesus. So wow, it is really Jesus. And they got excited that it was really Jesus. But can I ask you a simple question? Let's just be real here this morning. So they got excited it's really Jesus. And then what happens? Memory kicks in, right? Memory kicks in and it's, Oh, hold on a minute. It really is Jesus. Oh, shit. But the last time I saw Jesus, he saw my bum playing in the wind as I was running away and abandoning him. Oh, boy. The last time I saw Jesus, I actually uh, betrayed him. The last time I saw Jesus, I was freaking out and running. I ran out of my clothes. Don't you think that's what they thought? They're thinking, oh, boy. What does Jesus do? Peace. Be with you. This is a different piece. First piece, reconciled to God. Second piece, reconciled. It's trying to tell them, we're good. I still believe in you. You're still the best. How do I know that, friends? Look at the next verse. It says, as the Father sent me, I send you. Come on. Isn't that beautiful? Not hold on a minute. This whole thing, I'm going to have to sit down, boys. I don't know. No? He wanted to send them a signal. You now have peace with him, and we good. As the Father sent me, so I send you. And this is a very interesting one, because a lot of people go, as the Father sent me, they say, oh, signs, wonders, miracles. How did the Father send Jesus, by the way? For God so? Loved the world that he sent. He sent Jesus in love. He's sending us in love. He's commissioning them to follow him. And they've done nothing right. Oh, Jesus' blood is speaking far better things. Hebrews 12, 24, you want to read it? His blood qualifies us. His blood is speaking the great things. It's better than the blood of Abel. Abel was speaking vengeance. Jesus is speaking mercy, and Jesus' blood is commissioning them to follow me. And then there's an interesting there, if you want to carry on reading out, just for the sake of time, if you allow me just to quickly, he then, um, he breathes on them. We had that beautiful illustration as uh, Rosemary came this morning, and he breathed on them. Understand that he holds everything by the power, the word of his power. Why didn't Jesus say? Why did he breathe? Have you, had you been watching YouTube channels? Maybe you've been attending a really fired up charismatic church? Did you do? 
Friends, he breathed on them because he was restoring all things. Everything was a redemption, a restoration in the process. What happened in the very beginning in the garden? God designed and formed man and then he did what? He breathed on him. Then man sinned. Jesus comes along and now he pays the price. Not only did he forgive our sin, the Bible says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away. Not only, friends, did he forgive us our sins, he took the sins away. Now the sins are gone as if they were never ever there. We're back to the process again of... He's restored us back fully as if we had never sinned. Are we getting this? Oh, I don't know if we're getting this. I'm just, I'm excited. I just, I excite myself. Are we getting this? Yes. Thank you. Awesome. Man, he brings us back. God breathes in man again as if sin never happened. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is still there. The voice is still speaking, but Jesus says, Now, guys, follow me. Yay. It's all back together again, restored, redeemed. Back to your powerhouses, follow me. Oh, the just shall live by faith. It's faith in what he's done. The Bible says, once for all he died. Don't exclude yourself from this. He died once for all. Redeemed, forgiven, set free. I thought I'd land. If you give me five minutes, I know it's 11 o'clock. If you give me five minutes, I'll give you a quick illustration, change your life, help you understand this. I'm going to ask you the simple question. Why do we pray for people that are sick to be healed? This exact revelation of what I've just said, that's why we pray. Because our sins are forgiven. Let me give you a quick story. Uh, um, um, Numbers 21. Numbers 21 is a story about how the, Isra- the Israelites, the, the people of God, they're journeying along, whatever. They come against the Canaanites. The Canaanites give them a good club. They steal some of the people from them. They go before God. They vow. They say, Lord, if you'll just help us and we- win this battle, then we will destroy all the cities and do it. And God says, okay, cool. Uh, they do. Um, God honors his word. They nail the Canaanites. They get- now they come back. Now they're going. There's Edom in front of them. They go, whoops, hold on a minute. Let's take a bit of a journey around Edom. The Edomites were, they were nasty characters. So let's take, but now they take this journey because they want to go around the Edomites. But as they're taking this journey around the Edomites, it's taking too long. So now they begin to whine, begin to cry. And they, why have you done this and brought us out in the desert to die? And then they said, and what's this food? It's, we loathe this food. Nana. And then you have to go to John chapter 6 and you realize Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They are loathing the symbol of Christ that would come down to heaven. That would be their provision, their protection, be their sustenance, be their life. They loathed that. I unpack all of that. But in simple terms, what happened is a whole bunch of, of snakes appeared. And they're just biting the living daylights out of, they're biting the life out of the living daylights, the life out of the people they are dying. The people cry out and they go, we've sinned. Moses, you need to go. Moses runs off. Says, God, we need help here. Please, um, please don't. No more killing or whatever. And God says, all right, tell you what I'm going to do. I want you to take, get a mold, a serpent out of bronze. Make a bronze image of a serpent. And I want to stick it on a pole. Then I want you to lift it up. Everybody who looks to the serpent will live. 
and they're healed and they won't die from the snakes. Ask yourself this simple question. He's gone through all the trouble of trying to tell them about golden images, about uh, graven images, about making idols, about forming all things. What? Why couldn't he just lift up a banner that said, Kumbaya, Kumbaya, everybody? And everybody looked at it and, and been healed. Why didn't he lift up the staff and say, Look to my staff? Or take Aaron's rod that had budded and lift it up and everyone look. Why did he use that, friends? You know, and there's a side story. I'll just drop this out. This is from um, uh, Free, once about Coca-Cola. You know that, um, um, what was his name? As Asclepius, I think he's the Greek god. Asclepius was, he used to raise people from the dead and do all those wonderful things, whatever, and hear the snake around a pole, whatever, and they say that's where the medical uh, international symbol comes from, with a pole with a snake. I don't know if you, the international medical symbol. I say God's so clever. I don't care if it came from some Greek god or whatever. And Man, this is the symbol of international healing. I'll tell you why. Because when they lifted up the, the snake on the pole, friends, you have to go and read Deuteronomy 21. And then if you read Deuteronomy 21, you'll read it. It's found also in Galatians chapter 3. But in Deuteronomy 21, anything, friends, that's on a tree, anything that's on the pole, friends, is cursed by God. That's why Galatians 3 says, Cursed is he who hung on a tree. It's, these are the Hebrew people. They understand. They understand that when they saw that serpent, they understand it had been cursed by God. The very thing that was killing them, friends, they put on a pole, lifted it up, and said, That's been cursed by God. Look on it. Have faith arises. Believe God has cursed that. God has heard, uh, heard Moses' cry. Woo! Healed. Now ask yourself this simple question, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's verse 21 around there. Do I have to quote it? Uh, 2 Corinthians, let me read it. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, Jesus not only took our sin, friends, he made him to be sin, Ask yourself the simple question, did God curse Jesus on the cross or did he curse sin in the flesh on the cross? Romans chapter 8 verse 3, I don't have time to go into it. Oh, I do have time. I have to tell you because you're not going to believe me. In Romans chapter 8 verse 3, you can read this all later. Romans chapter 8 verse 3, it says, uh, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free from in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. So God curses sin in the flesh. And because cursed is he hung on the tree, God cursed the sin, friends. The sin now has been taken care of. We now, just what I read there, Beautiful scripture. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. In Romans chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Sin no longer has dominion over you. When you look to the cross, friends, you look and you see that Jesus uh, took care of and God cursed all sin. And sin no longer has dominion over you. When you look to the cross and you see what God has done with Jesus through Jesus, then by your, by his stripes, you are healed. Isaiah 53, quickly. Isaiah 53, verses 5. 
Or verses 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. For we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. Why do we pray for, the, for healing? Because on the cross, Jesus took care and cursed sin in the flesh. And now he has taken care of sin and no longer has dominion over us. And we are only sick, friends, because of sin. He has taken care of it. We live in this world. Please don't misunderstand me now. Oh, I've sinned. That's why I'm sick, friends. We live in a world, a fallen world. But because of what Christ did on the cross, friends, as we look to that, we look and get that faith and that understanding, just like they looked with the serpent as a picture of Christ, just as Christ was on the cross, friends. Otherwise, what we do, friends, is we want to look to a suffering Savior and we want to pray a prayer to get us to heaven. And we want to look to Jesus who has redeemed us and has taken care of every single thing, friends, and we will look to health and wholeness because I want my life to shine. I want the kingdom, which is not here over there. The kingdom is within me. I want the kingdom to be released. Seek first the kingdom, and the rest gets added. My life, when I gave it to him, is about being transformed and being changed. My life, when I gave it to him, wasn't to incorporate him and help him. Because it helped me now to get the promises and bless me and to fulfill my calling and my destiny and what I've called to do. Because the Bible then tells me, 2 Peter 1 verses 4, that those divine promises were not there, friends, for me now to bless and enhance my life. They were there for me to escape the corruption that's in the world through self selfishness and self-seeking. They were there to shine the goodness and the glory and the kingdom of God. And the goodness and the glory and the kingdom of God is health. It's wholeness. It's peace. quick landing I want to encourage us today I want us to know how much God loves us I want us to know that this gospel is just freaks me out it is so good it is so marvelous it is so not dependent on me it is so dependent on the blood of Jesus when Jesus he said, this is my word, when he wrote this word and the Holy Spirit was writing it, and John is the instrument through which he's writing it, John in his little limp is actually saying, hey, we actually did a ratio. I'm getting to that, Jesus. Uh, we did a ratio, and I won it. Uh, in case the guys don't, if they ever read it in the future, you know, you got, I won this race. God doesn't go, oh, give me the razor. Let's rub this out, silly monkey. He leaves it in there for all eternity for us to understand that it's not about us. That it's about him and he's calling us and he's saying, guys, this isn't, this isn't, I don't look to the cross as some suffering savior and so I can receive some passport to get me to heaven. I look to the cross that Jesus Christ took care of sin permanently so that I could be restored back and reconciled back to God so that I could be restored back to the original image and the plan and the purpose that God had for me. And that was to shine forth who he is in my life. And I have this life inside of me now. And every single day when I wake up, friends, I can display that goodness and that grace. And because I'm, I'm picking up my cross and my, my will and his will keep clashing. And, and people try to offend me and they do stuff, whatever, and they speak badly against me. But I'm not going to let those things come against me and cause sin to, to happen in my life because I'm born again. 
and I'm not going to let anything operate through me. I'm not going to retaliate. And that same spirit, I'm going to nail them, but I'm going to just show them love. I'm taking my cross, and, and, I'm, and I'm submitting and surrendering my life, and I'm going to shine and show them who Jesus is. And I'm going to live my life every single day, and I'm going to show mercy instead of judgment. And the love is going to cover all the challenges and the problems. I don't care. Yes, yeah, I would, I, no, he loves you. Man, and he's for you, man, and you, you're up for that promotion. Do you know what? And I'm not going to pray for the parking right in front of the building. It means somebody else doesn't get it. I'm going to say that parking, Lord, give it somebody. Woo! Give it to somebody. Yes, whoa! in front of me. Man, he loves parkings. It's awesome. We bless him. High five, buddy. Whoa, have a good day. You're awesome. I'm shining Jesus. I'm the, it doesn't matter what's going on. Oh, but what is happening in your life? And you will, have, whoa, you will see what's happening at home and, and this, that, and the other. Man, if Jesus had to live like that. But he's saying, follow me. How do you do that? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Friends, right from the very beginning, he was trying to explain that to every single one of them. Yeah, they were. They messed up. They done nothing right. And he comes. Nothing's changed, boys. Why? Because I'm the one that did it. Jesus is saying, look, I did it for you. You. Stay in that place. Stay in that place. Live in that place. Shine in that place. Don't shake you. This is the time to shine, boys. Not the time to get your heart and be scared. I'm with you. I'm there for you. When you come across stuff in your life, that's not kingdom. Bring the kingdom. Not off. Oh, tired. Oh, I get to pick up and go, God, come on. Amen. No, I'm tired. No. Shall we stand? I'm going to pray for us. I know it's been long this morning. But we love Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, so I just want to pray over us for this morning. Is um Sal, are you are looking after babies? Where's the Can we pray for you as well? Can you come? Oh. Sorry, you got twins, I know. I'm just for those of you who don't know, Celeste is going to um, Reading to the Worship View Conference. And uh, uh, we just wanted to, as a church, we want to pray over her, release her uh, by faith and just trust all that God's going to deposit in her life over that time. Bring it back and release it in this church. Amen. Um, can't think of a better place to go to, to for a worship conference is to Bethel and, uh, and let God do. So I want to pray over all of us and I want to pray over self. I just want to encourage every single one of you that God loves you so much. You're amazing. You're amazing, and you don't you don't need to look at your faults and, and, and look at all the things that you've done wrong. You need to look at Jesus and everything that he did right. And then, friends, as we rise up in authority and what God's called us to, as we're seeking first the kingdom, as we're going after him, friends, can I encourage every single one of you, this is not about popping uh, people out of wheelchairs and uh, raising the dead. This is about shining Jesus. This is about walking in His image that you were created to walk in, the image of God. This is about mercy, 
triumphing over judgment. This is about love covering a multitude of sins. This is about a kind word instead of a harsh word. So I want to pray for us as a church today, Lord God, that we've been called to this destiny right now. It's not an easy one, Lord God. God knows. The cry of my heart, Lord, is help us to be strong, to choose you every step of the way, Lord God. We don't want to bail out of our calling, out of our destiny. You've placed this church in a strategic place right now. And you have planted every single person in here for such a time as this, Lord. And it's not been easy, Lord, those that have walked this journey with us and stayed the course, Lord, have, have taken strain, Lord God. It's been easier to go somewhere else and hear how you can improve your life and get the promotion that you wanted and buy your holiday home. But I want to pray today, Lord God, that you said, seek first the kingdom of God and the rest will be added. There's a promise here that you get it as well, but it's a different way of doing it. One is the gospel and one is a false gospel. One will bring you the treasure, but it will come with heartache and stress and strain and sorrow. And one will come with a joy and a victory and a smile. Jesus said, if you've given up houses, mothers, fathers in this life, you'll get it back 100 times. God is in the business of blessing every single one of us. But there is a way that seems right to man, but it leads to destruction. And there is the kingdom of God and a way that Jesus made. He is the way, the truth, and the life. God, I pray you'd help us and strengthen us to walk this journey, that tomorrow we would wake up, Lord God. Even this afternoon, we don't, have to, don't worry about tomorrow. We're not pharaohs. Today, as we go out from this place, Lord God, so let your light shine among men. That we would be that light, Lord God. That we'd be able to shine every single day of our lives. That tomorrow, Lord God, we're not going to get up, oh, up, sleepy man, have a cup of coffee. Oh, dear God, I don't want to go to work. We're going to wake up and go, thank you, Jesus. You gave me a place that I can go and shine. You gave me a place that I can impact and change lives. I've got life inside of me, and it needs to come out. And it needs to touch and impact others. And if I've got a snivel, then thank you, Lord. I'm just going to let the power of God come and bring healing and life to my mortal body. And so I want to pray today, Lord God, that there's a shift that's happening in our lives, in our focus, in this church. Because we are going to be the oasis that you called us to be. There is a river that needs to flow. A wonderful river, Lord. All the pictures that we got today, it needs to come from this place, Lord God. It needs to flow out, Lord, as we take it out. Not just for ourselves, but as we look outward, Father, and to others, not just inwardly, Lord. There's doors opening for the people of God. There's doors opening in the life of this church, Father. Thank you, Lord God, that, that we would step into those doors and walk through them in faith, trusting you and believing you, Father, because you're the one who's leading us. So I pray, Lord God, that you would bless your people, Lord. That you strengthen your people, equip your people, Lord God. Encourage your people. This is a great time to be alive. This is a great time to be part of 24-7 church and all that God is doing. Let your kingdom come and your will be done over our lives and in this church, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And as you're advancing, opening doors, Lord God, as you are creating opportunities, Lord God, as you are speaking over our lives, Lord God, vision.